Well, good morning, everybody. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, it's good to see you in the house. It's so good to see everybody here. I'm so excited to be back home. Last week, Zach did an incredible job in preaching. How many of you enjoy Pastor Zach? And, uh, you know, I, I just, for me, I just, I told Pastor Villain when I got back, I said, you know, when I was there, I was talking to Billy early. He said, I was following you while you were in Africa, Pastor Bubba. I said, yeah, well, Villain worked me like an African mule. He rode me hard, fast, and continuous. I preached between three and four times a day. And I said, every time I tried to turn around and change something, you pulled out your, your zebra whip and beat me to keep me in line. But, uh, no, they're doing well. And just, you know, just this past year, you know, as our church has invested over $7,000 into their campus and their building project. And let me just tell you a couple of things. Their building is going up. Actually, the money we've sent, and while I was there, I gave them another $1,000. Is that all right from the church? And for that, they're going to be able to finish their building their sanctuary. They're going to build their prayer tower with a cross. And he said, I promise, Pastor Bubba, I'll send you the picture when it's done so you can show the church. So I'm excited about that. We also, they have a guy that's going to come in January. His name is Bill. And he actually, he, he lives in one of the townships. And that's just a community where there's a lot of poverty, a lot of things that go on. And literally, there was a Korean church that built... 23 acres and has a brick wall around the whole facility. They built 10 nice houses. When I say nice houses, nice houses. And only three of them are occupied because what they're doing is they have a school. They have orphans there. They go and they, they minister to them. They bring in kids from the outside. And they're also trying to teach people crafts and skills because they believe in, we don't want to give something away. We want you to be, we want to help you start something and, and get you empowered to do something instead of, because you know, the, the spirit of poverty Many times it's like you just wait for someone to come and try to bless you. But they say, no, we want to break that cycle. And so, you know, we're doing that. Uh, we're going to, I told them, I said, well, next year when we come, I want to send a team just to work here a couple of days with the kids and stuff. And so I'm excited uh, for us. He's actually, he, he left his computer job with the Texas Instruments years ago. And to go full-time, him and his wife there in that community. And so uh, I was just really blessed. Also, announcement that we didn't say. We're having a marriage um, in Milton and Janie's house on April the 5th. Is that right, Janie? Tell me the date. Do you all remember the date? 13th? Saturday? Okay. The following Sunday will be the 12th. April 12th. They're going to be at their house, and they're going to start a marriage life group. So they're going to have a barbecue and a few other things and just introduce you what they want to do for marriages. So if you want more information about that, we'll give you a phone number, how to get back. Maybe, Janie, you can stay in the back of the kiosk. Wave your hand, Janie, so they know. There, is, there she is. Milton's working this week, so she's in charge until he gets back. Anyway, and so I just want to remind I know they didn't say anything. I just want to make sure. But this morning, uh, I'm excited to be back in the pulpit. And uh, I really feel like God has a word. I don't feel like it. I know God has a word. God always has a word. And it's whether or not we're willing to open up the Bible. I'm reminded of my friend that uh, she's actually a professional singer now. Her and her husband write songs for a lot of things. And, um, and uh, Julie, one day she was praying and she said, God, if you're real, show me. And, and on her couch, she only had three legs for a couch. And on the, the other leg was a Bible so the, the couch wouldn't tip. And one day, she said it held that, that couch up. And she said, one day, and she said, I wonder if it can hold my life up. 
And she began to read it, and it became real, and it became life-transforming. And her name's uh, Julie Miller. She sings on the, for different people. All, her, her, son, her husband's name's Buddy, and they're just good friends. Of Tracy and I sang at our wedding and stuff. But, you know, I just, I just see that. And the question this morning we're going to talk about is this. Why do bad things happen to good people? Anybody ever wonder that? You know, today we're going to talk about, we're going to, we've been asking questions, and you've been, actually, you've been asking questions, and we're taking your questions, and we're trying to answer them. So I'm going to do the best that I can, and we're going to look through the Bible and see what the Bible says. But if you ask that question, then you're in good company, because most people, many people in the Bible ask it as well. In fact, Abraham asked, should, should not the judge of the world judge fairly? You ever wonder why some people get blessed and other people don't? Why some people get healed and others don't? You ever wonder that? And I know that Moses said this, is God, why don't you treat people like they deserve? You ever feel that way? Yeah, how many of you ever try to be judged? I mean, let me just say this. How many of you ever just, if I was president just for one day, I'd change everything. How many of you have ever said something like that? Or you let me be the mayor of Jennings, Lake Arthur, you name it, Murmurtal. We would change things up in the house. You know, it's election time coming. My wife goes, man, they're fixing streets and they're doing all kinds. Well, election time's coming, baby. You say, well, yeah, but they're doing it now. What they've been doing the last three years, that's what I want to know. Anyway, that's, that's on the side. Yeah. But you know what? The most important thing is even Jeremiah said, why do the wicked prosper? Why do people that seem like they shouldn't be prosper, prosper? You ever wonder that? Why? I mean, you know, you look at people and go, I'm better looking than they are. I'm smarter than them. I could do that. But, you know, they were willing to take risks, and God blessed them. Another thing is David said over and over in Psalms, why don't you deliver me? Why don't you answer my prayers, God? And see, this morning, today, I'm going to, people ask questions like this. I believe, why do so many children in the world starve? How could God let that happen? You ever heard that? How could God let all the people that starve? We've seen the sad pictures at 2 o'clock in the morning when you can't sleep. You know, they come in, feed the children, whatever name, star, you know, starving children feed them and stuff. And we, and we feel bad, and some of us have helped and given and stuff like this. We don't like seeing that. But you know what? I could drive you in, in this city right here, and I could show you plight that you would be shocked at. You know, there's people in our city that don't have electricity, don't have running water, don't know what they're going to eat. Right here. You don't have to go. Listen. You don't have to go to Africa like I did. All we got to do is go to our backyard. And I know this is, you know, our, one of our desires is to reach people no one wants. And I, I realize this too. In order to reach people no one wants, because when, God, when we do that, God will give us all the people, people that everybody wants. But I believe this too. When you reach people that no, that, that no one's doing anything about, you got to do things that no one else is willing to do to reach people. Amen? And see, why do people die of preventable diseases. Why? Why? Where, when, there is, when there's a natural disaster, and you ask, why did people have to die? Like we had in Katrina. We had, I think, 1,500 people that passed away in Katrina, and some of us go, why? Why did that happen, have to happen? And so most people talk about, talk, uh, most people I talk to are asking God, why did this bad thing happen to me? Or someone I love, they personalize. How many of you have asked that? You know, I've, I've asked sometimes when people have been stricken with things here in our church, how could that happen? I was thinking about someone yesterday who was in our church. I don't know if you remember her. And uh, it was Becky. 
And uh, it was, um, can I think of her last name? Stelly. Becky Stelly. And she died of, of cancer. But she, we did outreaches into the week of her death. She was out doing, when we were cleaning the city and stuff, she was out ministering and, and blessing God. And then her husband and her started going to our Eunice campus. And the, the cool thing is, Wayne, who wasn't really serving the Lord when she brought him to church, he was skeptical. You know, he just come from a different background. And I know, listen, if you're a visitor, thank you for coming. And they like, maybe you never had the lights turn out. Maybe you never had anybody, uh, you, you know, that, that, that sang like that or had that many questions in the church at one time where people were raising both hands. And, uh, but I just want to let you know, I mean, it may be different, but you know what? I remember when I, was, when I wasn't a Christian. I remember I used to go to places and wonder why. And maybe it's a new experience for you. But my desire is this. I hope that you feel comfortable. I hope that you can hear from God this morning. Because you came. And you came looking. And let me just tell you something. Not only only good looking people come to our Savior's church. I just want to let you know that. But people that are looking for answers in life. And we just want to share. I just want to share this with you. Jesus is the answer. To whatever you're facing, whatever you're doing, religion will never get you where you need to be. Jesus will be the person that help you get to where you need to be. Amen? Amen. And so, you know, people ask, why did we let, why did, why did, I've, I've, I've had people, Pastor Bubba, why did I get abused? Where was God? Where was God when I was getting abused? Why didn't they help? Why didn't, why didn't, God, where were you when my marriage was struggling and it didn't survive? I just, want, I just wanted a happy marriage. Or why did she get breast cancer? That's what happened to Becky. And why, or, you know, it's like this one. Why can't I conceive a child? Why? Why are children born with, with rare conditions? Like we've been praying for Joel. And by, by the way, he's back home. Praise God. Or maybe a question, why did I get laid off? I'm the hardest worker at the, at the plant, at the shop, or whatever, or at the school, or whatever. Why did I get laid off? You see, some people may say, say bad things are happening because there's sin in their life or they're not just praying right. I've heard those kind of things. I even had, when people came to me, when I found out I had cancer, someone said, there must be sin in your life. Oh, I'm not kidding you. And I'm like, well, I have blown it a few times. I'm serious. I mean, you ever had weird people just come, ah, you know why something bad's happening? Judgment. You, you know what I'm saying? And see, I want to put all that trash aside, and I want to clear, I want to deal biblically, and that's what the Bible says, okay, in the real reasons why things really happen. And so I want to talk about those. The first thing, i got three points. You have notes here. If you didn't, we'd love to give them to you so you can write and fill in the blank. Number one, maybe you're a victim of a broken world. How many of you know that our world is broke? It's broke. How many of you know our streets? You go, I mean, the Interstate 10 ain't what it used to be when I was a little kid. You go down highways and things like that. They say this, when you see society beginning to break apart, the things, like you can get a coin from 1962 and compare it to a coin right now. And let me tell you, 1962, they still had silver in a quarter. Okay? 
And not only that, you can look at the coin and it lasts a lot better than the new quarters last. Why? Because everything's cheap and everything's... You go look at our monuments. They're repairing them. The, you know, the Washington uh, Memorial had a crack. The, the, the Supreme Court, they're trying to repair it because of all the things that have happened over time and the years. And You look at roads. You look at our society. Doesn't it seem like things are falling apart? And you look at our society. We live in a broken world with people that are broken and looking for answers. You know the top three businesses in America are right now? How many of you like to know? How many of you don't care? Okay, number one business in all of America is pharmaceuticals. We live in a broken world. People are looking for answers, and sometimes they reach out for that, that medicine. And let me just tell you, sometimes there are medicines that you need to help you. I'm not here to condemn medicine. I just want to tell you that. I believe what Pastor Harry Gomes told me, medicine cleanses, baba, but Jesus heals. The second is alcohol. Alcohol. You know what the third is? church in a broken world people are looking for pharmaceuticals people are looking for alcohol because why it kind of numbs the pain in our broken world but you know but i'm not here to preach against all those things but we i just see the effects of those things how many times i've cried with a mother that's you know just been broken he said my boy he's a good boy but he just got that alcohol got him or, you know, how many times I've, I've been with a father and a mother and they got a prodigal and it's, it's drugs. You know what I'm saying? You know, it started out with just a little thing, just experimenting. How many of you experimented? Don't lie to me. All right. You go, this is good, this is good stuff. What y'all laughing about? I went the other night in, in Lake Arthur. And uh, Jim and Sheila and Tracy and I went there. And Jim, don't ever go eat with Jim. The brother, like, we ordered five pounds each. And then he had, a, like, a sneak-the-five-pounder in there, another one. And, and before that, I went to Miss Joyce's birthday party yesterday. And I had some, I had ribs. I had, I had chicken. I had pork steak. I mean, I had soul food. Then I went and had Cajun food. I mean, last night, and I told my pastor, Pastor Jacob, said, don't you be, don't you be saying, you know, you're like, why are you gaining weight and all that? It's just, you know, just so circumstance. But let me tell you something. I tell you what, don't go eat with Jim Seymour because he sneaks a blessing on you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, literally, I almost couldn't get out of bed this morning. I felt like a tick ready to pop. But we live, when God created the world, it was perfect, wasn't it? Someone told me a story, I don't know, like last week or something. They were saying, you know, that it was like this guy visiting this guy, and he has this incredible garden. And he goes, man, you've got an incredible garden. It's awesome. He said, well, you know, it's, it's my garden and God's garden. God helps me. He said, but you really should have seen the garden before I had control of it. When God had total control. And you know, that's the reality is that, you know, how many of you want control sometimes? How many of you control freaks? I have a good friend of mine, one of my best friends. He never lets me drive when he's in the car. He goes, no, no, I'm driving because I want to be in control. All right, anyway, you don't, you don't have anybody like that. See, when God created the world, it was perfect. But when, when man disobeyed God, we know sin entered into the world and it changed everything. And see, human beings and the relationship with God, each, each of us, all of us, everything was damaged. 
You know, ladies having babies had to have pain. Ladies, how many of you have had pain? When you have, you said, Pastor Bubba, let me, sometimes that's just the beginning of, it's almost like a prophecy or word to you. Let me tell you something. You will have pain for the rest of your life on some of your children. I remember Phyllis Diller said, was it, yeah, no, Carol Burnett. She goes, man, y'all don't know what childbirth is like. She said, let me tell you what childbirth is like. It's like taking your bottom lip and putting it over your head. That's what childbirth is like. But we know part of the curse was man had to labor and sweat. Women that were going to have pain in childbirth. It's a, see, I like what John, who was actually one of the disciples with Jesus, said in, in John 16, verse 33. He said this, I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. But like, listen to what he says. But here on the earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. How many of you can say amen to that? Okay, but you've heard me say there's some good butts in the Bible and there's some bad butts in the Bible. It's where you put your butt. Here it is. But, here's a good but, but take heart because I have overcome the world. See, the world couldn't seduce Jesus. Satan couldn't uh, uh, conquer him. Sin never tainted him. Never. He says, I've overcome the world. And if you're in me, you can be an overcomer as well. The Bible says we're more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens us. What does that mean? That means when David went to go stand before Goliath, you know the story, maybe some of you don't, but I'm serious. When he went to stand, remember he went to get how many rocks? Five rocks. That's the number of grace. You spell grace, it's five letters. Five rocks, five means grace. He picked up five rocks. Because see, Goliath had, it was Goliath was one, and he had four other brothers. So you know what David was willing to do? To me, I'm ready to take on the whole family. But as we know, he was a 15-year-old boy that heard that someone was taunting the living God, cursing God out, basically. And I love what he says. One of my favorite lines in all of the Old Testament, he just says, and who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he taunts the armies of the living God? I'm like, my question is, how did he know? I mean, he was calling David out. And he, remember, I like when he said, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? But we know he said, I come in the name of the Lord God Almighty. And he threw the rock, and God divinely allowed that rock to hit. And we know that he won by the power of God and the power of hormones. Because, listen, one of the prizes was, he was 15. Can you imagine 15? And you get promised the daughter of the king that's beautiful. The power of God and hormones work, I promise. But the Bible says right here, Jesus took on the Goliath in my life. God, Jesus took on the Goliath in your life. How many of you have had giants in your life? How many of you still dealing with giants? He's saying this. He said, you know, my sin, my mess-ups, my stuff, the world system. Jesus said, I beat it. And this is what I want you to hear. He, we, don't, we don't fight for victory, we fight from victory. Say it with me. Say so we fight. F- we don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. What do you mean? It's not anything that I have or you have that you best you possess. But it's this. The Bible says, you know what? Greater is He that is in you. What does that mean? What does that mean? I can't throw a football, but just a few yards. Okay, I can put a good spire on it. That's about as good as I can do. 
But, you know, if I want to throw a football like Drew Brees, it ain't happening. But if I unzipped Drew Brees and stepped up into Drew Brees and zipped it back up and I chunked the ball like Drew Brees, come on. Everybody, come on. You got the Drew Brees spirit. Come on. But see, that's like us. There's some things that you can't overcome on your own. And sometimes you need to unzip the Lord and step up into the Lord. Does that make sense? And all of a sudden, it's not you, it's the Lord in you. That helps you to do things you couldn't do on your own. Because the Bible says, in my weakness, he's made strong. How many of you got some weaknesses? I'll talk some weaknesses. I promise. Ladies are going to, how about chocolate, ladies? How many of y'all got, how many of y'all pray every week for self-control? Quit lying to yourself. For me, I'll just be honest with you, don't send me to G&H. Don't send a Cabela's catalog to me in the hunting section. I fall into deep diver's lust, I promise. My wife goes, she'll look at my closet, she goes, what do you need? You got all this other stuff. What else do you need? Oh, baby, I ain't got what I need. She goes, honey, I got shotguns. I can bring four people hunting with me and clothe them. Am I lying, Nathan? No. We live in a broken world. Jesus didn't say you wouldn't have headaches or that you wouldn't go through troubles. He said you would. How many of you get, you know what, I hate going through hard times. How about you? It just kind of sucks. You know, but they're, they're, I, I know this, bad things are the result of living in a world that's filled, it's a sin-filled world. How many of you know that there are things that we allow in our society that we would have never allowed? I remember when hippies came out. My grandpa, we were driving down Nelson Road in Lake Charles back in the day in the 60s, and we're driving down the road, and he'd go, Dear, the only time he ever said Jesus is when he wasn't sure about something. If you left the door open, he'd go, Jesus Christ, close the door. I remember we're driving down the highway one day in Nelson Road, and we're looking, and all of a sudden this guy has real long hair, and he goes, my God, my God, you can't tell the difference in boys and girls anymore. <laughs> Them old funky bell bottoms. and yeah, I mean, Come on. Well, the hit, it, hey, you remember free love, every, free everything? You know, we share everything, even our girlfriends, even our drugs. even We share everything. It's not always the devil's fault that we go through struggles. It's not. It's kind of like I heard a story that the devil was sitting on the, ch- on the church steps of a church here in town a while back. I don't know if you heard about that. I don't know if it made the Jennings Daily. But he was sitting on the steps and he's crying. And one of the local elders came outside and said, Hey, man, what's up with you? Why are you crying? He goes... <laughs> because everybody in there is blaming me for everything that's going bad, and I had nothing to do with it. (laughs) Isn't that true? I told someone one time, man, the devil don't need to mess with you. He sends some one-tooth, semi-retired junior demon after you, and that's about all he can do. So the first thing is, we live, you're a victim of a broken world. Why do bad things happen to good people? Because we're a victim of a broken world. The second thing is, maybe you bought into it 
You, you brought it on yourself. How many of you say, oh, I know that one, Pastor? I didn't get a lot of amens on that one. You may say, hey, I, hey, it didn't just, you, you know, uh, hey, didn't you just say that, you know, that it, it's because of my sin? What I mean is that you sinned and there's an unrelated consequence. How many of you know there's consequences for things that you do? The same thing as the sowing with reaping. You know, if you sow something good into someone, some, so eventually something's good's going to happen if you sow it. But if you sow bad seed or you sow bad stuff, guess what? It's going to come back on you eventually. And so what I mean is, is but, but there are direct consequences for our sinful behaviors. If you're living sinfully, there are direct consequences. What do you mean? Let me give you an example. If you go to a party and you drink a 12-pack by yourself, okay, you drive home, you get in a wreck, and you get a DWI, then you ask God... And they take your license away, and you ask God, God, how come you let that happen? Listen, I've never seen a six-pack locked up in jail, but I have seen people locked up in a jail from the result of a six-pack. Thanks for all those amens. I mean, last night we were sitting at the restaurant, and that girl, that lady girl, girl, said, yeah, there was two guys in here the other day, and they, they came in for lunch, and they had a bucket of a beer, and they ate dinner, too, and they didn't leave till They had two waitresses, and they had two, two or three buckets of beer. I don't remember. I thought, well, they couldn't get up. That's why they couldn't go. <laughs> See, sometimes we ask God, what happened? Why did this happen? When I got caught with drugs, there's no lie. I was at, I was at, and it has nothing to do with the school, but I was at, I got, I don't want to say too much, but give anybody ideas. I got asked to leave several schools in Lafayette. Public schools, Catholic schools, public school, Catholic school, Episcopal school, and Catholic school. And I'm not lying. By the time I graduated, School. I think I went to, what did I say, 13 different schools by the time I graduated. That's not a lie. 13. Okay? And I remember my last year, my senior year, I got caught with drugs in Dallas. And we had to sit before this whole entire school board. They had the priests, the brothers, the parents, all that. And, man, they're going, and I brought the drugs. And I got caught with my friends. And this is not to give anybody any ideas. That's the old Pastor Bubba. And that wasn't even Pastor Bubba. That was the old Bubba. But I can remember, we're standing before there, and we make this elaborate story. We lie. And everybody's looking at us. And we lied because, you know those little things that you, those hammers that you try to hit the bell? We were at Six Flags in Dallas, and we said, we couldn't hit the bell. So a guy said, if you smoke this, you can hit the bell. That's what we came up with. And so all these parents are going, oh, poor children, poor little boys. But see what happened that night at 2 o'clock in the morning, we're out there going. <laughs> Our teacher walks out. Boys, what are y'all doing? <laughs> Looking at the stars. 
become boring. Well, wow, there's more than there was before we started this. But. I got kicked out of school. Whose fault was it? Was it the drugs? Whose fault? Absolutely it was my fault. But you know what? God used it down the road. Amen? God can use stupid stuff. How many of you have said, you know, Pastor Bubba, when I was younger, I had stupid written on my forehead a few times. So we know that we live in a broken world. We know that many times that we bring things on ourselves. And then, you know, and see, Galatians says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you, what? Plant. If you're a farmer, if you're a gardener, you understand the principle. Whatever seed you plant, it's going to eventually grow. I had people come to me, well, you know, Pastor Bubba, the Lord, the Lord gave us, you know, marijuana, marijuana, and we should smoke it. And my response is, he also gave us poison ivy. Won't you smoke that too? <laughs> There's just some things that bring on things that you don't need to be messing with. You see... You know, I hear people, you know, Pastor, will you pray for me? I mean, financially, we're hurting. And you look at them, you go, you got a $40,000 car, you have a $200,000 house, and you make $28,000. How many of you have made bad financial decisions? My wife is perfect. Not me. I mean, listen, I manage, she writes the checks. I mean, she manages. I'm, I'm, I'm the CEO, but she's the COO. When she looks at me, she goes, oh, no. She goes, man, we saved a lot of money while you were in Africa, but when we get back, you're spending money. That never happened to you, Pastor Josh? Yeah, okay. A little hesitancy, you know. I remember one time I went to go buy a Samurai Suzuki. You know what those are? I couldn't afford a real Jeep, so I wanted something close. And we had a 1967 Volkswagen Bug. Okay? It was sweet, clean. I wish I had the picture to show you. It was red. And, And I got rid of that because this is my justification. Zach was a baby, and we were having Andrew, and we didn't have seat belts. So I had to sell my car instead of buying seatbelts and putting them in. I need to get a new car. And I was working for a pastor. He was going to go get one. He backed out, but he talked me into getting it. I, I really talked myself into it. And my justice again, I got four-wheel drive. It's a family vehicle. Let me tell you, it is not a family vehicle. When you buy one of those, you need to buy a kidney belt with it. And the whole time I had it, it had like a target on it. It got hit like five or six times. God was trying to speak. But I wanted to do my own thing, and I brought on stuff myself. I didn't need that. I wanted that. How many of you got some wants in your life? Do you need everything you want? You know, I was with some people that made a lot of money last week. Lots of money. At this, this event they did for Ducks Unlimited. And I saw so many people. There was a couple of billionaires and millionaires there. I mean, and we're just walking around, and it's a cocktail party. We didn't have any alcoholic beverages. I promise. 
You don't have to believe me, but I'm telling you the truth. You know, I actually got a variety, uh, no variety, of sobriety checkup in Lafayette when we were leaving the party. They had the Lafayette police, and the guy goes, y'all been drinking tonight? Not for 33 years. Y'all take any other substances? <laughs> Not for 33 years. Tracy goes, not in my whole life. You know, I mean, just. (laughs) The final point is this. Maybe God wants to do something big if something bad happens. See, look at the story. This is a story. This is John that walked with Jesus. It was all on the, all, he was actually the disciple that was boiled in oil and survived. He was the fisherman. And, G, and this, he's writing this. And Jesus was walking along, and he saw a man who had been blind from birth. John 9, verse 1 through 3. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? It's not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. Let me just say, misery always opens the door to ministry. It always does. The thing he didn't understand or want was so the power of God may be displayed. The moment he, does, he goes from blind to sight, he has a story, doesn't he? I think about Joseph in the Old Testament. He stands before his brothers. And, you know, when he stands, he's betrayed by his brothers, thrown in the pit, went to Potiphar's house. Potiphar's wife had the hots for him. And she, and she falsely accused him that she, he was trying to rape her when she actually disrobed him. Okay? She was, I mean, she wanted him. He didn't want her. And then he got thrown in jail for false accusation. And while he's in jail, you know, God just gives him favor. And he gives an interpretation of these, the baker and the cupbearer and their dreams. And remember me. And one was killed and one was survived. And years go by. And, and, the, and the Pharisees in Egypt has a dream. And, and the guy, the, the, the cupbearer goes, man, I remember there was a guy in jail told me what was going to happen. And they go get Joseph. They shave him, get him all cleaned up. And he tells the interpretation of Pharaoh's dream about a famine coming. God had given him insight. And Pharaoh's question was, who can help us prepare? And he looks at Joseph, you. So he goes from, think about it, from prison to prime minister. In one moment. But I love what he says when his brothers are feeling bad when he reveals himself. In Genesis, and it says this. He's telling his brothers, you know, when they sold him, he's saying he's telling them, and they realize what he's become. But don't be upset. So don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your life. I like what he said. So it was God who sent me here, not you. And this was, and he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace, and the governor of all of Egypt. See, what his brothers meant for evil, 
God meant for good. You know, sometimes when you get something happens to you at work or something happens to you in your life, God may be trying to show something that you don't understand. What are you talking about? I, I think sometimes, God, why did I get cancer? Why did I go through these things? Why? When I was at Miss Joyce's um, birthday party the other day, I told, the, I told all the people there, I said, you know, there's a lot of people that prayed for me, but I remember Miss Joyce, what she told me, and I still remember to this day. I said, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the Lord. She goes, oh, pastor. She goes, you ain't got to worry. She goes, I've been praying God kill it at the root, baby. How many of you want people backing up on you like that praying? I don't want, I, I'm not praying here. Kill it at the root. You see, sometimes God allows things. It's giving me platforms. It's giving me opportunity. I've been blessed with it. You go, blessed? You're sick? No. God blessed me with it. I found out this morning there's someone here, and I'm not going to say because they told me that they, they found out they had cancer this week. And my heart just went out. Because I understand. There's a whole journey. There's a whole process. I'm standing here, as far as I know, cancer-free, and I'm believing that. Amen? Amen. You see, I know in my life, if God is no respecter of persons, baby, what is the disease that Lewis Solomon has? What is it? He has MS. One of my friends that used to be one of my leaders years ago, and I remember we had gone and visited him in Conroe. That's where he lives. A while back, a couple years ago. Before I knew I had cancer. And I was just like, God, why Lewis? He's such a good guy. Here's this guy. He's got double black belts. He's got a picture of him and Chuck Norris. And all these different things. And all this stuff he's got. If you hang out with Chuck Norris, you can do anything. But anyway. You... <laughs> I don't know if it was a cutout and he put himself there or not. But anyway. Then he looked at me and said, you know, Bubba, one thing I've learned, that God is no respecter of persons. And I've thought about that. You know, things happen to good people. Things happen to bad people. See, as Christians, we celebrate and honor the death of Jesus on Friday. Right? His disciples were confused and they were desperate. The one that they had followed for three years had died. They were freaking out. How many of you have had freak out moments? Just freak out. How many of you ever lost a credit card? You're freaking out, aren't you? You go, well, if they find it, there ain't no credit left on it anyway. But anyway, just. <laughs> but you're looking, you're searching, you're doing everything you can. And it's the same example when Jesus said, hey, look, I went for the one and left the 99 because something was lost and it had to be found. You see, they didn't know. That was Friday, but man, their Sunday was coming, baby. You know, some of you are in your Friday. Things look bad. Things look gloomy. Things are hard. Things are difficult. Finances are drying up. Things are you're going through. It's Friday. But, oh, baby, let me tell you something. Sunday's coming around the corner. And when Sunday breaks through, that's when Jesus pops out. Come on. And he goes, hey, man, it's finished. It's done. 
In other words, you know what? You don't have to walk in your slop and your junk and your sin and your desperateness anymore. You can walk in victory and you don't you walk from you don't you walk from victory. Amen. For many of us, just let me tell you something. It's your Friday. You have your Friday moment. We all got our Friday moments. What do I do? Then <laughs> God shows up. But you know what sometimes is crazy? You know what I figured out? Sometimes as Christians, we have amnesia. We forget about the last thing God did for us when we were desperate. And that's why it's good to remember to write things down sometimes. Go, you know, God, I remember. How many of you remember when you were praying for a job, a raise? Come on. How many are praying for a house? How many praying, you know, like some of you single girls, I'm praying for a fine woman, Lord. God answered my prayer. I was a desperate man looking for a desperate moment and a desperate woman. My wife wasn't desperate. I was. I was. But I honored her and I treated her the way God wanted me to. And I can stand up here today with a clean conscience and say, hey, I honored God and I honored her till our wedding night. And after that, I'm going to leave it at PG. Six children later. Anyway. When, when bad things happen, for sure, God is doing something in you, isn't he? Whenever bad things are happening, God's doing something in us. I like what James, who was actually Jesus' brother, his half-brother. James. He actually, James did not believe in the resurrection at one point. It came years later, and he realized, you imagine living with Jesus? Your older brother? Come on. He had, to, he had to have faith. I mean, how many of you know your brothers and your sisters' stuff? Come on. How many of you could embarrass them? How many of you not going to do that? Because they may embarrass you back. But anyway. But he says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, or temptations, that's what trouble means, consider it an opportunity, look what he says, for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Satan wants to use the event to tear us down, wipe us out. God wants to use the same event to let us know that he's faithful and he's real. And he'll be with you. Everybody in this room has been something they didn't like. Something they didn't understand. Yet, but over time, you look back and you know it made you better. It made you stronger. It drew you closer to God. I heard someone say one time, says, the very things that made you what you are, don't ever deny that from your children. Don't ever deny that. How many had hardship sometimes? You know, when our kids go through hardship, it's what God's doing. He's making them. And sometimes we want to control it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We can't. 
You've got to give that in God's hands. See, the worst of the worst brought me to the place to call out to God. I didn't call out to God when everything was going great. How about you? I called God out when my life, I felt like my world was falling apart. The more pain we endure, the more faith is built. See, why do you say that? You ever notice, like, the guy, I, I read it a little bit today, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Everybody knows who he is, a power builder. But see, there was a guy behind him. He was 93 years old. He just passed away this morning, yesterday, or in his sleep, or whatever. But this guy was the guru behind the scenes for all these bodybuilders. He's the one that believed in Arnold. And we know that in order to build your body, there has to be resistance. I mean, talking about resistance is you got to pick up weights, and you know you can do this. Teenage boys do yes, yes, because they wanted to ask a girl to ask them in the hall, which way is the bathroom? Is that way? Can't wait. And he was talking about how he was so incredible in his life, how he believed in him, how he helped him, how he encouraged him. He brought him over from Austria to the United States. See, the more resistance, the more pain, God can use that to build stronger faith, greater endurance in our lives. You know, the sad thing is there was a lot of times in church history, there was a moment in the 70s, many times, they were saying, oh, you, pain is of the devil. Struggles of the devil. Can I tell you something? No, it's not. It's of the Lord. Because if you read the scriptures, what made people is the struggles and the things they walked through. Amen? Amen. None of us like it. When you like to have an announcement before it happens, like those things you learn on the radio for the tornado coming, the hurricane. This is a test. It's coming your way of the eternal broadcasting system. This is going to be a test. It will last 60 days. This is a test. You will experience pain, hardship, difficulty. You will want to swear. You want to beat people. You want to... Don't look at me like I'm crazy. Because that's what happens when you're going through pain and difficulty. You think, I just... You feel that way? You make me feel good, but it'll mess up everything. C.S. Lewis, I like this, wrote this. He said, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. The question is, why do bad things happen to good people is a flawed question. Why do you say that, Pastor Baba? Technically, we're not good people. God says we've all blown it. How many of you have exaggerated? How many lied? Stole something? How many of you didn't raise your hand? You're a liar if you didn't. <laughs> we all fall short. Until we see ourselves as sinners, we don't see our need for a Savior. That's what Easter is all about. Something bad only happened to someone good only one time in history. 
And his name was Jesus. The Son of God stepped up, became the perfect sacrifice, said, God, I'll be your missionary to the world. Dad, I'll go. He became sin for us. We know. We know the story. He's brutally tortured for us. He declared, it's finished. You remember that? How many of you watched the Jesus movie? You might not have read it in your Bible, but it's there. But he said, it's finished. It was on a Friday, and no one understood. No one understood. It's hard to understand. It's hard to see things clearly when you're in your Friday. He took what he wanted to bring for everyone what they needed. The cross shows us that we serve such a great God that he can use bad things for greater purpose. The gospel's good things happen to bad people. That's really what the gospel's about. Amen? See, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make people that are spiritually dead alive. You may say, God, God is not fair. I agree with you. God is not fair, but he's just. But he's not fair. Because if he was fair, he would give us what we deserve because of our sin. Anybody want that? Aren't you glad he's just? Let me close with this. Psalms 103 says this. Verse 10 and verse 12. He does not punish us for all, for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. He he has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. See, the Bible says this. The whole, the whole premise of what, why we're here today is because it's about surrender to God. How many of you know you can't do it by yourself? You need God. I need God. And all of that is that I believe the good news of the gospel. I got to surrender, I got to repent. Repent means i got to say, God, I don't want to live my way anymore. I want to understand your ways. I don't know them, but I want to find them out. That's what repentance says. It's more than just saying I'm sorry. It's saying I want to I understand how I don't do this anymore. Because the power of sin is, has a grip on me. And that power, see, listen, when the, we allow the power of sin to have a grip on us, it's like it gives the enemy permission to lie to us. And some of us are living in guilt. Some of us are living in shame. Some of us are living like, man, I can't get out of this. But I'm here to tell you, all things are possible if you believe. If you believe. You got to believe. I got to surrender. It's kind of like the white flag. God, I surrender. I give up. I'm changing my ways. I don't want to do that. Forgive me for that. I don't want to be that. But Lord, I believe what the Bible says, that you died on that cross, that you rose on the third day, and that God, you said it's finished, that you, you bore my sin, you bore my shame, you bore all the pain that I brought into this world. And God, I don't deserve forgiveness, but you said you would forgive me. And Lord, thank you that I have grace over my life, that I, I, receive, I receive God's riches at Christ's